my family, my mom and dad, came in contact with the Davises at TBC, Texas Bible College, way back uh, before I was born. And then they uh, kind of on separate paths, but both my dad and uh, Brother Davis ended up teaching there right after, pretty soon after they graduated and taught at Texas Bible College. That's where I was born. Then they went their separate ways for a year or so, and then they both ended up there at our World Evangelism Center, our headquarters for the United Pentecostal Church in the Word of Flame Department. And uh, But in the last year, Brother Davis has gone back, and, and I think I can say this because you've told me, has gone back to one of his great loves, and that is teaching the, the, the young men and young ladies of our organization and, and help developing them. And he currently serves as the Dean of Theology for the Texas Bible College. and uh, So he travels back and forth but is doing a great job, has developed complete tracks and of, of learning and teaching there. But uh, I, I am so glad that he's able to be here and, uh, and preach to us today. He has his wife, Sister Sharon Davis, here. And then they brought one of our family's friends. We, when, we were at, uh, when my family was at, well, it wasn't the sanctuary then. It was Florissant Valley Apostolic Church, but the Dugas was the pastor. And uh, I grew up with the Newforths, and we're glad Sister Janet Newforth is here. And uh, some of you that are, are my age or a little bit older or so, you may remember their sons, Philip and uh, Jeff Newforth. But we're glad she's able to be here with us as well. Why don't we welcome Brother Davis as he comes to preach the word. We want you to take your liberty, preach unto us the gospel. Thank you, Pastor Buford. Praise God, everybody. Amen. Are you happy in the Lord this morning? What a beautiful, beautiful presence of the Lord is in this place. And it is always a delight to be back at the Lighthouse with all of our friends. So many, many wonderful friendships we have forged through the years. And always a delight to be with Brother and Sister Buford and... Uh, well, they're just like family. We consider them that, very much so. And, of course, with his mom and dad, the elders, uh, we uh, love and appreciate them. And also the Perrymans, always a delight to see them. And all of you who, who serve in the music and the ministries of the church, it's always a privilege, a pleasure. What a, what a beautiful time of the year. How many Grinches out there? How many Scrooges? <laughs> I, uh, I got quite a chuckle this morning on Facebook where I saw that one of my friends had changed his profile picture to Scrooge. And I was tempted to ask him if this meant that uh, he was feeling rather uh, Scroogeish, is that a word, about the holidays, or if maybe it meant that he was about to experience a wonderful epiphany and uh, a sudden change in his life. Perhaps it means that. Well, I know the Christmas season brings all kind of emotions to folks, but I, uh, I want to assure you that your answer for every situation, no matter whether you're the happiest person alive or the most miserable at this time of the year, I know the answer to every situation 
the solution to every situation that you face and encounter. And uh, I want to preach a little bit about that this morning. Amen. I want to read one verse of scripture and then I'll let you be seated. We'll pray. Acts chapter 20 and verse 35. Acts 20 and verse 35. I have showed you all things how that so laboring you ought to support the weak and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, it is more blessed to give. To remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said it is more blessed to give. Can we look to the Lord, Father? We do thank you for this time together, right here in the midst of the hustle and bustle of the season. We thank you, God, for all you've done for us. And we do pray that by your Holy Spirit, you would move and minister in our hearts and in our lives uh, this very morning in a powerful way. Uh, And we honor and we exalt you. In the mighty name of Jesus, hallelujah. Praise God. God bless you. You may be seated. I'm just going to confess to you right off the bat. I am a child when it comes to Christmas. I have good memories of Christmas. I was fortunate to be raised in in a home where while we were not wealthy, I never sensed that we went without. Christmases were always special for us. And I readily recognize it. It just wasn't that way for everybody. But I didn't know it then. You know, I just enjoyed everything about Christmas. Every twinkling light, every song of the season. Speaking of that, I'm about to ruin one of your Christmas carols here. I No, I don't mean to, but I, I just have a question, and it's really been bugging me lately. There's that, that it's really a rather beautiful carol. Uh, do you hear what I hear? Do you hear what I hear? And it's the melody, the rhyme, it's so beautiful. And, uh, and, and it gets in there, and it says, A child, a child shivers in the cold. Let us bring him silver and gold. Hello? I don't get it. Hallelujah. He deserves silver and gold, but I think he'd appreciate a blanket more if he's shivering in the cold. So, yeah, I know. That's the thing with songs. You got to make them rhyme. Hallelujah. Anyway, I'm still chewing on that one, trying to figure it out. I know what this time of the year is like, and I appreciate and really relate to Pastor Buford's words about not wasting a a service. I have no idea this morning what you may need desperately from the Lord. And God forbid that we would waste that. I I also remember from our first time at Texas Bible College, I, I remember how utterly, uh, seemed like at least, how utterly wasted the time was between Thanksgiving and the end of the semester to Christmas break. And uh, it just seemed like it was just almost a waste. You couldn't get anything done. It hasn't changed. (laughs) It's still that way. But it is a wonderful time of the year, a festive time, a beautiful time, season of the year that gift-giving occupies so much of our thinking. It's quite possible that by this time, one week from today, all the gifts 
that have been given will all have been opened, leaving behind just a mountain of discarded wrapping paper and tinsel, assorted boxes, pieces of anti-theft plastic ties. And if that doesn't speak to you, you don't have any children around. Tell you what, if they were trying to keep someone from stealing it, they did a good job, I guess. They about kept us from even opening it. All destined for the recycle bin. Some of the children's toys will be broken and discarded before all the wrapping papers picked up and thrown away. Others will sit idle on a shelf nearby because there were no batteries included. Hello, anybody relate? And among the other gifts set aside, there will be sweaters that will be saved for the next ugly sweater contest, fruitcake that you smile to receive but resist eating because you really don't like it, clothes that are just not quite the right size, not to mention the curious little gadgets that you have absolutely no idea what they do. And there's no instructions inside, so you're just going to have to figure it out later. Maybe I'm exaggerating a bit, but undoubtedly all of you have faced similar experiences at one time or another in your life in Christmas's past. Gift giving, what a challenge. Finding that perfect gift in the perfect color in the right size that will please the recipient upon opening it. That is the challenge so many face in the days leading up to Christmas. But with all those considerations and efforts put on hold for just a few more moments here this morning, I want to challenge your thinking and probably run the risk of countering the constant admonitions of every parent everywhere at least for a few minutes. Because I want to tell you this morning that Christmas is more about receiving than it is about giving. Am I the only one here this morning that was raised with the admonition more than once? Uh, it's more blessed to give than to receive. And I just read the verse of Scripture, the accounting of Luke, in Acts chapter 20 and verse 35, where Luke himself recounted the words of Jesus, it is more blessed to give than to receive. But I, this crazy preacher, one week before Christmas dares to step up here and tell you uh, that Christmas is more about receiving than it is about giving. And you're thinking, uh, the audacity of it all, uh, what has Pastor Buford done now? He got some crazy dude up there talking uh, against everything our parents taught us, against even what is reported to have been said that Jesus himself taught us. But if you give me just a few minutes, I hope to prove that to you shortly. It is sometimes... Better to receive than to give. What did you get for Christmas? Anybody ever been asked that? 
Oh, yes, about a week from now, the calls from family and friends will come. Some of the first words out of their mouth. What did you get for Christmas? What did you get? What did you get? However, even though everyone is always excited to receive, we feel uncomfortable focusing on what's in it for us because we have been taught it's better to give than to receive. Uh, Acts 20 and 35, I'll read it again. I've showed you all things, how that in so laboring you ought to support the weak. Remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said it is more blessed to give than to receive. I don't deny the truth of that verse. It is more blessed to give than to receive, generally. However, I, uh, I can't deny that Jesus taught that principle, even though I can't find the exact words coming from him. He taught us that principle. But I am convinced this morning that when our parents told us it's more blessed to give than to receive, there was one instance they were not thinking about. When Luke and Jesus himself taught us it is more blessed to give than to receive, there was one exception that they were not addressing at that moment. That one exception is going to be the focus of my message to you this morning. Sometimes it's better to receive. Sometimes it's better to receive. There's no denying the joy that comes from giving those that we love and care about that perfect gift, that thing that they needed, that thing that brings enjoyment and pleasure to their heart and life. We experience immense joy and deep satisfaction from knowing that we bless somebody with our giving. Maybe it's through giving gifts, or maybe it's through spending time, or maybe it's just through some words of encouragement or acts of service. It's a blessing to give. But I am speaking to you this morning about Christmas. And I want to show you that when it comes to Christmas, it is more blessed to receive than to give. Have I lost you? Are you still with me? Don't leave me yet. Give me a few more minutes. I promise I'll try to prove it. I remember a Christmas past for me and my wife. We were pastoring a small rural church in Alabama at the time. We didn't have much to say the least. We had but little. And still you're scouring the sales papers and flyers. You're looking for that, that perfect gift within your budget, you understand. And so what do you get when you don't have much to get with? And uh, I'll never forget that Christmas when we both opened up our gift from each other. We had both bought each other the identical same thing. <laughs> because it was a great deal and it wasn't very expensive. Now you're going to laugh when I tell you what it was. Because you all have them on your phones. They were, it was calculators from Radio Shack. I forget, we paid about $12 or $15, which was a lot of money for a calculator, but they were nice ones. Don't know whatever happened to that, but we got quite a chuckle out of that. It's a joy to give. 
It's a joy to bless those that we love. But I'm not talking about the unwrapping of tinsel and paper and that kind of gifts. Uh, I'm talking about Christmas. Uh, it is more blessed to receive when it comes to Christmas. You see, all the trappings of Christmas uh, with which we've become so familiar and, and they're all human traditions. And I'm not... Uh, at all preaching against the exchanging of gifts at Christmas time. It's a beautiful tradition. I know there are those that don't get too excited about all that. God bless them, everyone. Amen. But with all due respect to whatever our convictions and ideas and thoughts about Christmas may be. I still choose to believe it's a pretty awesome thing that practically the entire world shuts down to celebrate a day that acknowledges the birth of our Savior. Even though we know it was not likely at this time of the year and even uh, though we recognize and encounter the opposition in the stores and in the culture at large is trying their best in the culture to divorce Christmas from Jesus Christ. They just don't have much luck with that. Merry Christmas is still very much in, in style in spite of every effort against it. In fact, I've, I've already gotten the annual obligatory email or text from one trying to show me just how horrible and bad Christmas is. But you know what? It doesn't matter what people may think about the season, about the holiday. I celebrate what we sang about a few minutes ago, uh, that I can take a few moments uh, of the year uh, to lift up my voice uh, in pure adoration of remembrance uh, of the one who came, uh, that I might have eternal life. Hallelujah. Oh, I do adore him. I do adore him. I do magnify his name. There's nobody like Jesus. Nobody like Jesus. So what I'm saying this morning is if you want to give gifts at Christmas and if you want to receive gifts at Christmas, have at it. Nothing wrong with it as far as I can tell. Nothing wrong with blessing others with gifts. Nothing wrong with receiving the blessing of their gifts to us. Just realize this, uh, that in the practice of gift giving, you're participating uh, in what is mostly a human tradition. Because when it comes uh, to the real meaning uh, of Christmas, uh, it is more blessed to receive than it is to give. Hallelujah. I'm talking about receiving the best gift of Christmas. The best Christmas gift of all. Why? Why would I stand up here and suggest it's more blessed at Christmas to receive than to give? It's because I'm speaking of a gift you cannot give. It's a gift you can only receive. It's the best gift. It's the gift of Christmas, don't get me wrong. 
I do realize we associate gift giving at Christmas time with the gifts brought to Christ by the Magi, the wise men. I, I get that. But as thoughtful as their gifts were, and even if there might have been a little silver and gold in it, I hope he had plenty of covering to keep him warm. But as thoughtful as their gifts were, theirs were not the real gifts of Christmas. The real gift of Christmas uh, was wrapped up in swaddling clothes and laid in the hay uh, in the manger. Uh, he was the real gift. Uh, he was the gift of Christmas. Uh, his name is Jesus. Uh, and I celebrate him this morning with you. In theology, there is a word that describes what happened in the lowly manger of Bethlehem. It is the word incarnation. Incarnation. Which it is defined as follows the embodiment of a deity or spirit in some earthly form. The union of divinity with humanity in Jesus Christ. Carne, carnal, carnation, they're all words that have to do with having flesh or being fleshly. In the incarnation, God, who is omnipresent spirit, who fills all the universe, the one that you cannot escape because wherever you go, he's there. And the Old Testament prophet even spoke of those digging their way into hell, and he's there. He's in the taverns this morning if they're open. He's on the bar stool next to the one most depressed, most dejected over the season or over life itself. He is in the house of ill repute where no one really wants to go except those involved in that ungodly and derogatory lifestyle. But he is there because you cannot escape his presence. He's everywhere. But that Holy Spirit uh, took upon himself uh, an authentic human existence uh, that he might come uh, and leave his footprints uh, right beside ours. Experience everything that we experience. Uh, the hurts, the joys, uh, the sorrows, the delights. And yet without sin, that one day, he could make his way to a cross and pay the eternal penalty and sacrifice for my sins and for yours. The incarnation, bringing to all humankind the gift of redemption. You've probably heard the story of the little girl that cried out for comfort in the night. Scared, alone, afraid, in the dark. When the child's father came into the room, he found her fearful. So he assured her, don't be afraid, child. God is right here with you. To which the little girl responded, I know, but right now I really need somebody with skin on. We all did. You needed somebody with skin on. 
I needed somebody with skin on. We all needed a savior that would come and rescue from the human dilemma that would redeem us by the power of his shed divine blood. God, come in the flesh to redeem us from sins and to save us. Matthew chapter 1 tells us much of the details, early details about, about this incarnation. Reading from the ESV, it says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place this way when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph. Before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. That holy God, that Holy Spirit uh, reproduced himself, uh, came to us through the womb uh, of a virgin maiden by the name of Mary. Uh, when he was born, he was no ordinary baby. Uh, Mary was his mother, uh, but the Holy Ghost was his father. Uh, his nature would be unlike that uh, of any other baby who would ever enter into this world. For his nature would be a seamless dual nature, human and divine, man and God, the omnipresent, omniscient, and omnipotent God robed in human flesh for the redemption of all mankind. Hallelujah. Thank God for the incarnation. John chapter 1 John wrote about this marvelous event uh, beginning with verse 1 where he says in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. The same uh, was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. Without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life and the life was the light of men. And verse 14, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. It was time for God to intervene in the lives of his creation, for God to take on a human existence, to walk beside his apostles, his disciples, and all of the people of Judea and parts round about, touching their lives, making a difference in their lives, uh, 
healing their sick, raising their dead, performing the miracles of multiplication of loaves and fishes for the feeding of the hungry, satisfaction of the weary. He walked with us. He talked with us. He taught us all about real life, true living. What does it all mean? Very simply, I'm not, a, I'm not a profound or deep person. I think in the areas where we live. But very simply stated, God gave us the gift of himself. He took upon himself the form of a man, Jesus Christ. In the incarnation, God made himself a little lower than the angels. That's how much he loves you and me. Amen. A little lower than the angels. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 6. What is man that you're mindful of him or the son of man that you care for him? You made him a little for a little while lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor putting everything in subjection under his feet. But we see him who was for a little while made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. What did God give us? Just everything when he gave us himself gave us everything, everything worth having. He gave us life and that more abundantly. Uh, he gave us the greatest gift of all. When I was a boy, before I ever encountered the apostolic church, as a young Sunday school student, I learned John 3.16. Just about every student does. For God so loved the world gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish have everlasting life I knew it frontwards and backwards some of you did too but I never really understood John 3.16 until many years later now in the apostolic faith I was reading in the word of God and I discovered 1 John 3.16 hereby Perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Wow. Wow. So many in the realm of Christendom has some kind of a deluded notion that an old white-haired man called the Father said, I love my creation so much uh, that you, son, you're going to go down and die for him. You go and you'll be the sacrifice. That's what they think of uh, as the incarnation. Uh, they think of Jesus uh, sitting beside the Father uh, and, I don't know, the Holy Spirit hovering somewhere around nearby, I guess, with all due respect. To those who have that view, friend, 
If you ever get a hold of 1 John 3.16, when we perceive the love of God, he didn't care enough to send somebody else. He cared enough to take on himself a body and a man and leave his footsteps beside us and pay the ultimate sacrifice for our sins because nobody else could. There was none other that was perfect. There was none other that was without guilt. There was none other that was without shame. He came and he laid down his life. His authentic human condition he laid on the cross. That you might be saved and that I might be saved. So my question to you this morning is not cheap and shallow rhetoric. I ask indeed, what will you be getting for Christmas? Did you realize that Jesus Christ is the greatest gift ever given to us or ever exchanged among men? Jesus poured himself out. He emptied himself. He came poor that we through his poverty could become rich. 2 Corinthians 8, 9, the writing of Paul. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. Jesus gave his all that we might have life, and that so abundantly. It's the greatest gift we could ever hope for. It is freely given to whosoever will receive it. From a human perspective, Christmas really isn't about giving so much as it is about receiving. Receiving the eternal gift of God. Receiving Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, crucified and resurrected for our redemption from sin. It is difficult, if not impossible, for me to separate the season of Christmas from the season of the resurrection. He didn't just come to live. He came to die. And he laid it down willingly and raised himself up after three days that you and I might know the victory and the power of a living eternal God living inside of us. Hallelujah. So I tell you in this blessed instance of Christmas, it is definitely more blessed to receive than to give. Because the gift that none of us can give is waiting for eager hearts and eager spirits just to receive, just to receive. Jesus, through the Holy Ghost, he is the gift that truly keeps on giving. You hear that in advertisements, the gift that keeps on giving. He is indeed the gift that just keeps on giving, that there is no end to the giving when we receive him, we receive the most incredible and awesome gift ever known among humankind. Salvation, 
deliverance from sins, bondage, but it doesn't end there. As great as those gifts are, it doesn't stop there. He just keeps on giving. He keeps on giving uh, deliverance. Deliverance from ungodly habits and, and, and bondages that would drag us down and ultimately destroy us. He gives us peace uh, so that when we lay down at night, uh, we're not tormented any longer because we have the peace of a living Savior uh, inside of our heart, inside of our life, uh, speaking Peace to us, peace that surpasses all comprehension, peace that goes beyond all understanding, gives us love, love. Oh, listen, friend, you've, you've felt the love of somebody in your life. I pray to God that you grew up in a home where you could experience the love of two loving parents. But even if that's not the case, I'm telling you that somewhere, somebody in this world has loved you. But I'm at the same time going to tell you this morning uh, that there is nobody loves you like Jesus does. Uh, there's nobody loves you uh, like the eternal God of the universe uh, who came and gave his all, made himself lower than the angels, made himself poor. You, my friend, could be rich. You're looking at somebody uh, who in this world's goods uh, may not have all that much, uh, but I'm telling you, you're looking at a wealthy man today uh, because the King of kings uh, and the Lord of lords uh, lives inside of me. Thank God for the love. He comes and he keeps on giving. He gives us hope. Uh, Hope for tonight, hope for tomorrow, hope for next week, uh, hope for next year should he allow us to see it. Hope that is enduring, hope that is lasting. I know the world offers its expressions of hope and change. Usually leaves us just lacking a little bit. Not really satisfied, but the hope that he is going to plant inside of your heart and spirit is an undying hope that will never fade away. He gives us healing, mental, physical, spiritual, psychological, even emotional. So if you brought emotional scars and wounds with you this morning, one week before Christmas, I'm here to proclaim to you there is emotional healing for you in this service right here, right now, today. He brings us joy, joy that is deep, joy that's abiding. He gives us real life, life abundant beyond anything we could ever have imagined. Perhaps as I come to a close this morning, maybe you're still thinking, I just don't get it. I just don't understand how could God, who was rich and had everything, sovereign of the universe, how could God become a man? Or why would he care that much for us? Well, you're not alone. Many have pondered the deaths of this treasured truth for ages, throughout the centuries. 
Some theologians have insisted that the Godhead is a mystery that cannot be understood. But the scripture doesn't tell us that we can't understand the Godhead. It says we cannot understand godliness. Godliness is the mystery, the very idea that God would manifest himself in authentic human flesh. Come and experience our hurts, our wounds, our problems, our challenges in life. Become a man that he could purchase our salvation. Praise God. For many years, even as my girls were getting older, and Christmas was getting kind of crazy, hectic, busy, scattered, pulled in so many different directions. For many years, I tried to maintain a tradition I had held for, for a long time. Because somewhere on the radio band, there would be a radio affiliate that would be carrying Paul Harvey news and comments. And there on Christmas Day, I would hear the story year after year. Never became old to me. Later years, it got more difficult and more challenging than ever to, to find it, to hear it. And of course, now Paul Harvey's gone. And I doubt you hear it in many places this Christmas season. But the story is simple about a man who was not really a faithful man. He was a man, he was a good man, please understand, a good man. But he just didn't, he just didn't get all this religious stuff, all this going to church stuff and all this worship stuff. He just didn't connect with that. He didn't understand it. and So he was not a believer. His family would go. He would stay home. So came the Christmas Eve service time. Family was gone to the Christmas Eve service. He, as usual, was left at home to enjoy the festivity lights, the wrappings, the tinsels of the season. But a storm began to blow in. And as it did, it began to snow furiously and the wind was blowing and howling. He noticed a flock of birds that, that were caught out in the storm. And so he, he had this brilliant idea that I, I, I'll go out and I'll open the barn doors so they can find a place of shelter and safety inside the barn. He did, but to no avail. They just still fluttered around outside in the storm. Turn the lights on, make it a little more inviting, I guess. Still, the birds did not take him up on his offer. Finally, in desperation, you know, he's just trying to do a good deed. He tries to shoo them in the direction of the barn door. They just scatter in utter confusion and he's thinking if only I knew how to communicate with them if only I knew how to connect with them if only I could become like them become a bird then I'd let them know that I mean them no harm I only want to bring them in out of the cold and about that time in the distance he hears the pealing of the church bells at midnight for the first time in his life as an adult man the Christmas story connects and becomes real for him 
God became a man that he could love us that he could cherish us most of all that he could save us from our lives of sin would you stand with me this morning would you bow your heads with me we're entering into a festive week and that's fine You'll go here in a few minutes and you'll enjoy yourself. I, I pray, I hope that you will with family or friends or somebody. But right now, I wonder if there would dare to be one who would buy into my premise enough that when it comes to Christmas, it's better to receive. Enough that you would come to receive. Maybe you've already been filled with this Spirit, but maybe you've been taking Him for granted. Maybe you've allowed it to become old hat, and oh yeah, you, you trudge out in three degree temperatures to Mecca to the house of God, and you're faithful. What's alive in your heart? Uh, what's alive and burning in your spirit? Uh, I wonder if there'd be any uh, who would want to renew uh, that relationship this morning. Any uh, who would want to receive uh, what the nail-scarred hands have to give to you and to me. Oh God, I pray your blessing upon this congregation. Our many friends and loved ones. I pray, God, that in the power of your Holy Spirit uh, that you would minister deeply and richly now. You know every need. You know the longings of our heart that we wouldn't even share with our closest friend or loved one. But you know it. And, Lord, I sense uh, the depth of your desire, uh, Lord, to meet that need this morning for all of us. And I pray you would right now, right here, in this place, that you would meet some needs, fill some lives, that we would receive you as the true gift that you are. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. Would you like to come? Is there one? This pastor comes this morning, I invite you to come and enjoy the real reason of this season. God bless you.